The Well is a gospel-centered church located in Boulder, Colorado. We exist to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. For more information about The Well, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org. I'm Michael Beamer, and um, before I get um, too far in, um, let me go ahead and make sure this works. There we go. All right. So I've been working with missions. Um, as a kid, I worked with inner city um, mission work um, in Alabama, and um, grew up in the church, and then um, left the church, kind of went on to college, went to uh, church in uh, the Northeast, and um, then uh, joined Mission of the World in 2003, which focuses on disaster response, crisis care, and maybe you've heard of it, they, they, man- you know, they kind of uh, work with Samaritan's Purse, um, World Vision, YWAM, um, crew, they, they help coordinate missions all over the world. And I'm going to give you this timeline um, because it, it's really important on why we're here today and why we're not using these resources. So I got my marriage and family therapy degree after spending years in startups and business in New York. Um, uh, someone at Redeemer, uh, Hunter's College, was like, you know, 9-11 it hit. I was like, I'm really wanting to work with people. And, uh, and they really encouraged me to go to seminary. I thought I was going to seminary in Philly, which was really cool sounding. Um, but ended up, I followed someone to Jackson, Mississippi. And even though I'm from Alabama, I had never been to Mississippi. And it was a totally different world. But uh, God had a plan, and it was amazing. So joined Mission of the World um, while I was in grad school uh, in seminary. After that, um, I worked with... Um, if you've ever heard of Canacook camps. Um, and so with Canacook, I helped uh, create their therapeutic model uh, for their bigs and their littles uh, called Shelterwood out in Branson, Missouri, and then also here in Denver. And then moving on to working with Love and Logic, uh, was their uh, clinical director for a few years, um, which maybe you're familiar with Faye and, and kind of that model of consequences and love and logic. Uh, it's, it's a great biblical model to a certain degree for behavior. Um, then worked with Heather Forbes and, um, and Aspen, my group, worked with Beyond Consequences. And it was going beyond logic because once we started doing more brain work, we realized that kids' brains are not really able to understand logical moves, that it's more primitive, it's more lizard-like. And we'll talk more about that. And then worked with uh, the late uh, Dr. Lehman on total transformation. And that's when we got the idea of let's create more teaching, more DVDs and things like that. And we were really thrilled with it. You know, it's, you still see the old vibe building up on Maxwell and Broadway. And it's a great reminder that, man, we were really off course. In all of this, we focused for so many years on behavior modification. And we would talk about listening, active listening. We'd talk about the heart of the child. But we still, in these, all these resources, which had the best of intentions, they were still riddled by the parent's emotional state. 
by the idea that we were trying to understand something in an undeveloped mind that basically was being trained to be a really good sinner. And that, uh, and it's, it's easy to get distracted. And, you know, it's, it's a process. It's a process with purpose. So out of this, once chaos to connection sold, we realized we don't want to create it again. We wanted to start something different. And, and we were drawn to the prodigal uh, son parable. The prodigal son parable, you have a son who um, sees what his, what his father has. He wants what his father has. And v- very much like the riches that we will receive from our heavenly father, we didn't earn any of it. We didn't earn any of it. And now he took it a different route. He, he asked for it. His father gave it to him, and he left. You know, I, I keep thinking, like, if this was modern times, you'd have the prodigal's dad, like, texting him, Johnny, watch out for the harlots. Don't take that white powder. You know, it's, listen, listen, drink lots of water. I mean, I, I just, if that were today, what would it look like? I mean, it, there's something about the model, the removal of the parent giving space to the child that there is to learn from. Now, I think most of you have pretty young children. Is that right? So a lot of this is, is, is great timing for you because usually people are like, hey, let's do this. And my kid is 18. He's living with his girlfriend. They've already moved out. I don't know where all the VBC, Vacation Bible School stuff went. Um, and, and, and it's kind of like, you know, it's, this is the perfect time for you to be thinking about how to parent in a way that is focused on the gospel. So how it relates to parenting is we long to love our kids in ways that we never thought was possible, okay? The prodigal son gets to a point where after he spent his money, he's lost his friends, he's feeding pigs, and he, I would call it probably rock bottom, and he realizes, I can go home and, okay, I'm never going to be a son again, but I could be a servant. They have food. I'm in a land of famine. I could go back, and, and at least I'd have food, and I'd have shelter, and I wouldn't be sitting here feeding pigs. Now, I'm from Alabama. So I grew up in the country where there's a lot of pig farms. Just as a side note, it's kind of odd that he's feeding pigs. See, pigs are actually, they'll devour a human being if they lay there long enough and still enough. And so it's like he's feeding something that can consume him. Just, I always found that interesting. It's not just like, hey, I'm feeding snap peas to a pig. You're muddy. I'm muddy. I want to be clean. I'm going home for a shower. It's way different than that. If you look at the original text, it's this guy doesn't know that he can live any longer, okay? He thinks that, he, that his identity is in the estate that his father broke apart for him. He thinks that he can go back, but he'll never be accepted. And the message from the very beginning was, you can always come home. Let me modify this a little bit. Something's wrong. Sorry, guys, bear with me. So the son gets what he wants. God is not first, hits rock bottom, makes amends with the people, 
and he heads home. We try, the prodigal story is so powerful because it reminds us that we don't have power, we don't have strength, we don't have understanding, and yet once you have all these dependents on you, Satan uses this amazing logic tool to get you to scramble and actually think, oh my gosh, I've got to have this all figured out. This, so after Chaotic Connection, we moved into the Prodigal Parent series and we decided let's bring it back to the most basic elements and base it totally on Scripture. What is Scripture teaching us? And so today, because we're taking um, a lot of days, and this is more of like a sprint, we're going to like push it into a prodigal sprint. Um, we're going to do our core problems on the first half of the day, then we'll break for lunch, and then we're going to do the core solutions. And the core meaning scripturally based, um, back to the roots type of, uh, we'll look at our problems and our solutions. The desire for today is to gently nudge us back to the place where God wants us to be as parents and away from the expectations of others and the world. When I say others in the world, let's also include the baggage of our families. Did I hear amen? <laughs> amen. We're going to do a little exercise soon, which we look at exactly what baggage is. And I mean, it's something else. It's intended to weigh you down. It's, and so we'll get into that. So let's go ahead and just talk about today a little bit more. They are recording this. Uh, oftentimes when we're doing this series, we talk about things, and I encourage you to disclose you know, um, things that you're feeling, things you're thinking, ex uh, impressions or expectations you have. They're only recording me, is my understanding. And so I want you to have the freedom to talk about anything you want. <laughs> okay, Google. Um, as far as after resources, some people have asked about uh, just maybe talking more about it. We'll set that up, and you'll, and you'll get an alert through um, the city. Uh, I'll figure that out uh, with somebody's help. And, uh, and we'll send a message. I do know that you get messages now. Apparently, I had some on there from 2015. Uh, I didn't know that that was a feature or, or a function of it, but I, it's great. Good plug it. There we go. Um, the culture of today is one of trust. Now, how many of you show me? How many of you actually know people in the room? Does anybody like know each other? Am I the only? Okay, let's try it this way. Who doesn't know anybody here? John, you don't know anybody here, do you? See, I'm not afraid of calling people. <laughs> Everyone, say hi to John. Hey, John, hey. hey. All right. During the break, everyone ask him questions, make him uncomfortable. Uh, it's like uh, his first exposure to like intentional community. I'll use a few more buzzwords uh, in a little bit. Um, Alexa, does everybody know Alexa? My way better half. All right. So it's about trust. And trust, we have to be vulnerable. We have to sometimes bring up things that I like to call feisty vulnerability. Maybe in the past, it's felt like you could bring up some conflict. It could maybe possibly offend someone in the group. So that's okay. No one in here is out to get anybody. Okay, so try to let that go. So as you can tell, we're seated. Up, we're, seated <laughs> we're seated. 
so that we're in kind of small groups. So we'll kind of have one here, one there. We'll try to limit it to like four or five. So with people you typically don't talk about these topics with. So if you're sitting with like your MC, um, is everyone, are y'all like in the same MC right here? No? All right, see, they're all besties? Okay. So as we get going, this is super exercise heavy. And so I might move you around at different times. So if I see like over here, he's like, this guy's got all the answers. I mean, what's, what's your name? Kyle. If I see Kyle and he's like, I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I know how to do that. Then I'm going to pull Kyle and bring him over here where maybe they're like, I don't know what they're saying. I don't speak this language. So I'm going to mix you up a little bit. Okay. So everyone participates. Don't be afraid to talk to Matt. He's not a pastor today. He's a parent. Okay. So we're all the same. Parents trying to get back to basic God-driven principles parenting. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just come before you humbled and convicted on how often we go our way while looking at your way. Lord, I pray that we're We'll be reminded that we're vessels filled with your Holy Spirit. Give us your understanding beyond our own and reduce our anxiety. And give us a peace to be together and seek you in ways that maybe we haven't considered before. Help us learn together. Learn to honor you. in the process with the purpose of knowing you better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to get used to this, so this is like trial and error a little bit. I've got like a tablet, and I'm used to like paper. I'm old. All right. The problems we're going to explore today is a lot of times in parenting, we find that we, in Christian parenting, we do not put God first. We become distracted when we're parenting, and we focus on the wrong things. And the third uh, problem we're going to talk about today is we become self-focused. A lot of times we don't even realize it. How many times have you been interacting with your child, and you're feeling emotion, and that and your emotions driving them, even though they're crying, it seems like their emotions driving you. It's really what's going on inside of you that's driving that next step. I mean... Does that make sense? Is everyone tracking with me? This means, yeah? Okay. So the first exercise we're going to do is let's, I'm going to just, at times I will pull things up here, but because we're just starting out with this, let's just all close our eyes. And let me ask a few questions. Raise your hand if you constantly think about the future of your child. Just show me your hands. Everyone's eyes are closed. Okay. 
Keep your hands up. How many of you would you say frequently, like on a daily basis maybe, or every couple days? It, it is a big topic for you. Maybe you think of the future of your kid. All right. You put your hands down. Now, raise your hand if you would say that you frequently, with your eyes closed, frequently think about the past, like parenting from the past. Maybe parenting that your parents, from your parents or parents you saw growing up, things like that. Or how your past might influence how you relate to your children. All right. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down, open your eyes. So what I saw was that majority of us do think about the future and think about the past. How many of you heard the term being present with your child? It's a pretty common term, right? I mean, we throw it out there a lot in the, in the counseling world, in the ministry world. It's like, let's be present. I want to just be present with you. Do you feel me being present with you right now? He say, I don't want to be present with you. You look creepy. Be present, be present, be present. What does that even, what, what does that mean to be present? Anyone want to throw something out? What does it mean? Louder. Put your phone down. She didn't think I was going to say louder. All right, yeah, put your phone down. Yeah, that's good. What else? Interacting. Interacting. Okay. Eye contact. Listening. listening. Okay. What's it look like when you're listening? Um, you're just like taking away my agenda and just like going wherever, where, whatever your thoughts are, trying to go with that. Okay. And, and that can down Okay. I like that. Anybody else? Intentional. Okay, what does that mean? What's intention? What's what's it look like? Okay. Kind of engaged. We get it. Engaged, right? Engaged. All right. Being present. When we think about the future, and when we think about the past, we remove ourselves from the, our current state, from our present state. And we have a tendency to experience more regret if we're focused on the past and try and make sense of that regret. If we're focused on the future, then it tends to drive more anxiety because you're anticipating things that could or could not happen. I remember not long ago, I was driving home late and I was, okay, I was speeding and I was on Hover in Longmont and this police officer pulled me over. And I, one time, probably, golly, 15 years ago, um, I was in Minnesota, and I got pulled over. And like, I was going crazy fast. Like, no car in humans should be going that fast on a, on a public road. And this lady pulled me over, this, this female troop, state trooper. And I mean, she's like this. And I'm freaking out. And I'm sitting there, and I got taken to, pri not prison, to jail. 
uh, because I'd forgotten to pay a ticket from when I lived in New Mexico. And anyway, so fast forward to a, you know, a few months ago, I'm on Hover, and what is happening is I'm, I'm, I'm flashing back to that decade or two ago of, I can't keep track of time, two decades, 50 years ago <laughs> in Minnesota when I got pulled over, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, I do not want to go to jail tonight. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't want to go to jail tonight. And, and he pulled over because he said, you're swerving a bit. Are you okay to drive? And then he's like, Mr. Beamer? And I'm like, you know, so-and-so. I'm like, hey, I'm just really tired. I just want to get home. And he's like, all right, well, you, just, you still live up? And I said, yeah, I still live. Longmont's still small. And I went home. But focus on that one moment before I realized it was the guy I knew. Focus on that moment where my hands are on the wheels. And, and they weren't before, but I instinctually did this so he could see my hands. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go to jail tonight. Here's what, here's what I want you to take away from that. Is those imprints of the past make such, they creep up on us and they impact are, are present to keep us focused on the past and the future. In that moment, I'm freaking out and I'm anxious because of what could happen. I'm already visualizing sharing a sale, a cell with somebody, right? Like being in jail. So my brain is already gone to the future. I'm not present. And I'm basing it on the past. I'm basically like a torn individual in that moment, right? When we're worried about the future and we're worried about the past, that's, in a lot of ways, clinically speaking, that's when depression kicks in. We see people who, when they obsess and, and ruminate about the past, it opens doors to a depressed state in their, in their mental health. When they focus on the future, they tend to be more anxious. Both pull us away from being in the present with our child. So being present with our child, being present with our spouse, is all the things you say, putting your phone down, being intentional, listening well. It's all these um, things that you say, but also in our mindset, we've got to be in the moment. We're going to talk about how by doing this, our yes is trusted as yes, our no is trusted as no, and also we're able to develop a greater awareness and discernment in, when we interact with our children. Thank you for listening to The Well Podcast. For resources and information on how you can support our mission to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, please visit us online at www.boulderwell.org.